You are listening to I Survived the Wild Outdoors podcast, where real outdoors men and women share their heroic tales of survival. I'm your host, Brad Mathewson, and this is their story. My guest today is Nathaniel Minnick, an active Army reservist from Utah. He was duck hunting near the Fish Springs National Wildlife Refuge on November 26, 2017, when his dog fell into a dangerous, unmarked hot spring. While trying to save his loyal companion, Nathaniel was badly burned. Can you explain to me what happened that day, Nathaniel? Basically started, I made my way from my sister's house in, in um, Tooele after Thanksgiving because I spent the weekend over there. And you're in Utah, right? Yep, I'm in Utah. Okay. Had my dog with me and everything. And uh, we headed out to uh, Fish Springs National Waterfowl Management Area. And I got out there. It's, it's about, oh, I'd say about 80 miles to get out there. Okay. So it's a long drive. And uh, got out there, hunted in the morning. Was out there with my dog, and his name, my dog's name is Jimbo. Okay. And uh, we we're out there, and we spent a good majority of the morning. We shot a few ruddy ducks and a couple mallards, but then it just kind of slowed down, and there was nothing really flying anymore. So I got a little bored and uh, I heard some chuckers up on the, the mountainside. So I was like, okay, nothing's flying. So let's go see if we can find some chuckers up on the hill. And out there at the Fish National Waterfowl Management Area out there, there, there was no rangers out there because it was Thanksgiving weekend. So basically me and my dog were out there by ourselves. Okay. There was nobody out there. There probably wasn't a person anywhere nearby within like probably almost a hundred miles. Wow. And, uh, I got in my car and we started driving around the hillside and heading up towards where I heard some chuckers and everything and left the, the refuge. And then off to, off the road, I saw all this big area that was all flooded. And I was like, huh. I didn't even know that was over there because never explored that far past the uh, waterfowl management area. And uh, so I drove down, got as close to this place as I could, and uh, me and my dog got out. I didn't take my gun out. I just went to go check it out a little bit, go see if there was anything sitting down on the water. And I started walking down and... uh, this piece of land was on BLM land, so it was Bureau of Land Management land. Yep. And uh, got down there, and there was like makeshift campfire place, campfires, and a lot of trash. And it was kind of interesting because there was also a big Greyhound bus that was like stuck in the ground. Really? That was yeah. It was like sticking straight up in in the air. This this area they call it. Wilson Hot Springs, basically. Okay. I didn't. I I didn't even know the name of it. I only found out after I went. The accident happened. What the area was called, and it's only 
it's literally like maybe a mile away from the national waterfowl management area. Right. And we got down there and got to the edge of the water and there was like this makeshift walkway that was made out of pallets that went out into the water. And I was like, that's kind of weird. Yep. Near that all this, all this camp, like old primitive camp fireplaces and everything. I'm like, okay. Started walking out on this, these pallets and everything, just walked out to see why they were out there. And my dog's walking in the shallow water. And I get out to the end and it's just a big hole and there's steam coming off of it. And I'm like, Oh, this is a, it's a hot spring and it must be a hot spring that people swim in. Yep. Cause you got all the campfires, old campfires and everything. And there was beer bottles all over the place. And I was like, okay, this must be just like somewhere where people come and swim in the hot spring. Didn't think anything of it. Went to go turn around and walk back. And my dog came over and he stepped onto the pallet. And then he stepped over to the other side and sunk up to his chest in in the mud. And just put out the loudest squeal I've ever heard my dog ever do. And he was freaking out. And I tried to grab him, and he ended up running into the pool. And at that point, I basically, I I jumped into that pool, and I didn't even think anything about it. I thought my what was going through my head is that he sunk into that mud and cut himself on something. Yep. And uh, I jumped in the moment I hit that water. I had this weird sensation going up my legs and my hands and I could literally feel the skin on my hands literally start to bubble. Oh my God. And yeah, the skin on my legs was bubbling and I was still, it's still not really clicking what was going on. And I'm like, I had no clue what was going on. But the only thing that was going through my head was grab my dog, grab yep. my dog. Well, I got a hold of him. He basically bit down on my arm. And at that point, I almost, I basically blacked out once he bit down on me. And whenever I came to, I was on dry land with him in my arms. And I thought my dog was dead because he wasn't breathing. I sat there for a minute trying to figure out what was going on. I was still delirious. And then all of a sudden my dog starts coughing and he's okay. throwing up blood and water. And he stands up. He stands up and literally gets right in my face, kind of pushes on me and then runs. He gets me to stand up and runs me, basically gets me to follow him to the car. Yep. And at that point I realized what was actually going on. My clothes were still burning me. It turned out that water was 
probably somewhere around 200 degrees or hotter. I basically stripped down my pants and my skin literally was ripping off my legs. Oh my Lord. I looked at my dog and literally the skin off his body is literally falling off and his nose was falling off and everything. Um, the only part of my body that wasn't burned was where my jacket was. And well, my, my face, I kept my head up, I guess my kept my head above water and didn't burn my face. Okay. But, uh, my upper body was all perfectly fine because my heavy duck hunting jacket that I was wearing kind of insulated you. Yeah. It, it insulated me, but my hands were burned and my legs were burned because all I was wearing was just a simple pair of jeans whenever I walked over there. Yep. If I would have been wearing waders, I probably wouldn't be here right now. I got in my car and I had no cell phone service. There's no cell phone service out at that refuge at all. The place is a dead zone. There's no emergency calling, nothing. So the only thing that I knew of was there was a payphone over at the main office okay right at the entrance and nobody was over there because i was literally the only person probably within 100 miles got over to there tried to use the payphone to call 911 well the receiver end was dead so i couldn't hear if the call was going through i couldn't hear anybody okay so basically, the only choice that I had was jump in my car and drive as quickly as I can 80 miles to where I knew where there was cell phone service towards this town called Delta, Delta, Utah. And uh, a lot of dirt roads to get to the main asphalt road. The whole entire time, I'm probably doing probably six fifty to sixty miles an hour on these dirt roads, and there was a couple times that I probably should have wrecked because I was driving so fast, and I the state of mind that I was in was I I needed to get help. Yep. Finally, got up over the mountain to where I got cell phone service, and I got a hold of the sheriff. And the sheriff stayed on the phone with me the whole entire time. And while this is all going on, my dog has literally got his head shoved into my shoulder. Yep. He's just sitting there and he's foaming at the mouth. Basically, he was, if I started, because I was getting to the point where I was going into shock. And he was basically keeping me awake. But got a hold of the sheriff and the sheriff said that they were going to meet me halfway. Okay. Still had another 60 miles to drive to where I would meet them halfway. Wow. And, uh, basically that sheriff told me cause where I got cell phone service, it was back on asphalt road. And, uh, he basically told me, he's like, I don't care how fast you have to go. Just get here as quickly as 
get to the freaking halfway point, get to us as quickly as you can. And basically I started doing a hundred miles an hour down this straight road. If it had curves in it, I probably would have gotten to an accident or something because I was in and out, in and out. And right before I got to, I could see the ambulance and the sheriff, they pulled over. I started blacking out and I went off the side of the road. Oh, wow. And got there and they pulled me on my vehicle, loaded me up into, well, before they pulled me out, I looked with, before I started blacking out really completely, looked back at my dog and I just tell him I love him. I love him. And the sheriff got right up against my ear and he's like, don't worry, I'm going to get him to a bet as quickly as he can. And they load me up in the ambulance, took me over to Delta. And from there, they uh, had to load me up in a helicopter, fly me all the way up to Salt Lake City to the uh, burn ward at the U of U hospital. And I spent three weeks in the burn ward. But I didn't find out that my dog died till three days later because my mom didn't want to tell me. Because out there at that hot spring, I probably, if my dog would have died whenever he was laying on the ground, not breathing and everything right there, I probably would have died right there with him. It was probably one of the most traumatic incidents in my life. And yeah, it, my mom waited three days tell me that he uh while he was at the vet they put him they put him under basically they just put him um gave him some sedatives and everything the day that it happened and then they tried to pull him out of the sedation the next day okay and uh he kept going into massive seizures and the vet basically had to make the decision to uh just let him go because he had literally about 70% of his body burned. He was in so much pain. That's horrible. Yeah. It, yeah it, I ended up with about 20, they estimated about 20% of my body was burned. And the three weeks that I was sitting in there, it took two weeks. My body kept shedding skin after layer of skin after layer of skin. And I was getting to the point where my burns were basically going to turn into third degree burns and I would have had to get skin grafts and everything like that. But literally the last week they went to go wipe off and my skin was literally starting to grow back. But it, it was kind of interesting they think that the water was extremely hot, but it was also acidic Okay. because the burns on my legs literally looked like fire whipping up my legs. It wasn't consistent with regular water burn. It was consistent with high acidic water and heat. Okay. Yeah. And uh, the main thing, that I would say about 
whenever you're out hunting is don't ever go alone. That was the one biggest mistake. I mean, I was, I would go hunting alone by myself. And also if you're going out to an area, make sure you know the area and everything. But the main problem that I had with that area is that there was no warning signs. It looked like a place that was, people would go swimming like a hot spring that people would go swimming in. That's what it looked like. You know, why were the pellets out there? I have no clue. Did... I don't know why there was pellets out there. Nobody actually knows. Um, so I also tried to do, get some sort of lawsuit going against the BLM because there was no signs out there. There's nothing out there. Um, but the BLM, basically, the lawyer that I hired, he tried everything that he could to see. And the BLM kept claiming that they didn't own the property. Because there's three government entities out there that, that are right next to that spot. You have Dugway Proving Grounds, with, which is owned by the, the military. Okay. And that was literally probably about 200 yards north of where I, this hot spring was. And then about a mile back, you got Fish, Spring, Fish Springs National Waterfowl Management Area. And this piece was supposed to be owned by the BLM, but they, the whole time, they, it was like a roundabout thing. Neither, all three of them didn't want to claim this oh, spot. Of course. They didn't want to claim responsibility, anything of for it and I actually went out there the year after with my dad and we stuck up signs all around that hot spring are you telling me they never never signed it out after the fact they never closed it up or anything nope it's still open there's wow. just the signs that me and my dad put out there someone else is going to have the same type of accident that's unbelievable uh, three government entities that just don't want to don't want to claim the did they property. Cl- did they claim they didn't know it was there? They they claimed that they knew it was there, but they I guess nobody went out there to do any testing or anything on it. I mean, is this area known for? I I don't know much about Utah at all, but I mean, is so, is there hot springs in Utah that people actually bathe in and stuff? Yeah, there's hot springs all over the state out here. Oh, there is. Okay. Yeah, yeah there, there's hot springs all over. The only difference is, so at Fish Springs National Waterfowl Management, they got an area that's back on the northern section that you're not allowed to hunt. They have it all fenced off, and there's signs that say dangerous water. That's the only thing that's on the National Waterfowl Management Area. That's back there, but that's like a mile away from this hot spring. Because there's hot springs over there, you're saying? Yeah, there's some on the northern half back there. But I didn't think anything of it because since it's technically a National Waterfowl Management Area, it falls under the national parks, basically. And they have a tendency to close off things that you, they just don't want people messing around with. 
Yeah. It's just like in the national parks, you're not supposed to go near the hot springs there, but not all of them are dangerous. They just mark off everything. Yep. But this piece of land, which according to Onyx Hunt, you've heard of Onyx, right? It's all I run. I hunt out west. I live in Wisconsin, but I hunt out west a lot. It's all I run is Onyx. Yeah, Onyx, according to Onyx, this property is owned by the BLM, but the BLM did not claim it. They didn't want, they said, nope, we don't own it. Dugway owns it. And then Dugway was like, no, Fish Springs owns it. It just kept going around in a circle. So basically I had an accident and nobody wants to claim responsibility of that should have been prevented. Yeah, it's hard to believe if there's signage a mile away for a, for some hot springs that are dangerous that they wouldn't have they wouldn't mark all the hot springs off just to yeah. prevent an accident for, like this from happening. And the strange thing is, what the hell? The, like pallets all the way out there. I mean, what, I wonder what people were doing. I don't know this. This uh, unless the temperature of those things. Unless temp- it's just weird. <laughs> I wonder if temperature changes in those things and they get hotter over time. I don't know anything about hot springs. We live in Wisconsin. Yeah, we don't yeah. have, we have really cold lakes. <laughs> yeah, we got, we got quite a bit of volcanic activity here in Utah. There's hot springs all over the state and old volcanoes, dormant volcanoes. It's, but usually, majority of these hot springs around the state the state knows everything about them but this one out there i guess they just thought oh it's out in the middle of nowhere yeah oh nobody's gonna really bother it but and the worst part is while i was at that burn unit there was actually a lady there that was burned in a hot spring really yeah at some hot springs that were about 20 uh, they were about 40 miles away from the ones that I was at. That's that one. Yeah. Well, the area you're at must have been a known spot. If you said there was an old Greyhound bus there, there was beer bottles, there was oh, people there were, was places where people had junk fires. I mean, there must have been a hangout spot. I mean, it must have been known. I and mean, Perk Service had to have known about all that. The only thing I can think of is that since you're not allowed to camp on the, the, uh, National Waterfowl Management Area. Yep. They people probably were pulling over there and camping. Okay. Yeah, it, it was probably that was the most dramatic thing that's happened to me in my life, and it was like nobody cared that it really happened. Yeah, I'm sorry you had to go through all that. That's horrible. Yeah, the only support that I got was basically all my military buddies and everything like that, my family. They basically, while I was in the hospital, because after I got out, I was on bed rest for four months because I they they said I can't go out and do anything. I can't go out in the sun. And I had to wear compression pants and everything. So basically, my military buddies gathered up money for me. They raised about five thousand dollars that last that I used during the four months that I was incapacitated. Basically, yeah, that's good. 
And you're still in the service right now, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, basically, I had to relearn how to walk again. That was interesting. So how long did this take before you were back to a normal life again? So normal life again? Yep. Well, the skin exposure, I couldn't get exposed to the sun for, I think it was two years. Oh, my gosh. Basically. Yeah, I basically had to wear gloves on my hands and long pants and basically cover up anything that was burned for two years. And the the worst part is is that two years prior to this happening, I I got actually injured in the um, while I was at NTC, the National Training Center out in Fort Irwin, out in Death Valley. Okay. Um, I actually got smashed between a LMTV and uh, an LMTV and an, another vehicle. And I ended up having to get surgery. So I actually had to learn how to walk twice, basically, because it took them to it. I, I actually just barely recovered from the surgery that they gave me maybe about five months beforehand this, before this all happened. Okay. So you're finally just getting out and about and running around yeah, and duck hunting again getting, and getting out, getting out about again. Cause I really was literally down for, it was like six months. I had to basically relearn how to walk and everything. Yeah. So I went from one traumatic inc- incident to basically rolled into another one. Oh. Yeah. So you I want to go back a little bit on your on your story when you when the incident happened and you said your dog bit onto you and you kind of blacked out, do you think your dog like got you to shore and swam like swam you to shore and got you out of there? I have no clue. That part I, I'm completely blacked out on. God, I would think so. That, if if you, because if otherwise like you'd a, still be in the water. You were telling me that, and I'm thinking, man, that I, if your dog led you back afterward and all that, he had to have, had to have helped you get to the to land, had to have. Dogs, yeah. dogs are amazing creatures and very loyal to their, to their owners, and and uh, yeah, I'm sorry this happened to your dog and and, and you and and you know that that dog. Is amazing and is he saved your life? He really yeah, did. He was, yeah, he was my best friend. Basically, that dog would follow me into hell. <laughs> it didn't matter where I went; he would follow me. I mean, whenever I got him, I didn't have to do any training for him because it was like everything just he already knew. Yep, just a natural. He was completely 100% natural. He was the calmest dog that I ever, ever met. The only, the only problem that I had with him is that he, he, he didn't like other male dogs. So <laughs> female dogs, he was fine with, but other male dogs, he didn't like. Yeah. He was just an alpha. Yeah. Yeah. I, I miss him. I, the, uh, the vet that, he got taken to, um, cremated him for me. 
and actually made me a nice wooden box and everything for him. All right. That was nice. Yeah. I sure do miss him. I, I think about him all the time. Yeah, dogs are amazing creatures, Holly. Like I was telling you before, people, if you've never had a dog, it's, you know, people sometimes throw the saying out there, oh, it's just a just a dog. It's more than that. It's family. Yeah. It's a, it's a companion. It's way it's, more than that. It's a brother. It's, it's family. You know. Yeah, they're amazing animals. They really are. Well, that's how my story went. Well, thank you for sharing your story with me, Nathaniel. You're welcome, Brad. And I I hope other people out there just remember, don't ever go alone. Never hunt alone. Always have somebody nearby or some way that you can contact somebody. Because you go out into areas where you, you have no way to contact anybody. Yep. Even if there's a payphone down the road, there's a chance that it might not work. Always have somebody there with you. Yeah, that's good advice. I spend a lot of time uh, outdoors by myself. And uh, I've had multiple people come on my podcast and tell me the same thing. And yeah, I always think of that. I'm like, oh, what if something happened? Of course, when you're out there, you're invincible and and a lot yeah. of it, a lot of it, you just kind of get complacent because you're just so used to doing this activity, you know, be it hunting or, or, or whatever you're backpacking or whatever you're doing. You're just so used to doing that all your life and that's all you know. And it's, it's comfort for you. You don't, I guess you don't even think about the dangers at all or think about what if, because it's just, it's just a way of life. Yeah. The way of life. I mean, out where I was at, Anything could happen. There's rattlesnakes out there. There's <laughs> there's probably old mine shafts out out there somewhere. There's there's all sorts of stuff that could happen. Out mountain there. lions is what I worry about. Oh yeah, there's yeah there's mountain lions out there too. Yeah, I don't worry about and those. The other thing you got to worry about sometimes is the coyotes because I also had an incident while I was on the the National Waterfowl Management out there. Is, um, I had a, a coyote come in, and it literally tried to attack my dog. <laughs> End up shooting him. Yeah, I shot it a couple times, but I it was just two shots, so it didn't really do much. <laughs> you won't be back. Yeah. <laughs> Stinky things. But yeah, that that incident happened right in the morning, and then. Shortly after I, I went over there, it basically, it just got worse. <laughs> well, that was the same day? Yeah, that was the exact same day. Oh, yeah, who would have thought? That's the thing that everybody has in common when these accidents happen. You all, you know, it's just a normal day. You get up, you know, you get all your stuff, and you're just in a routine, and, oh, I'm going duck hunting today. Yeah. And off you go to enjoy the day, and and uh, and you never think in a million years that anything's ever going to happen. You never do. You know, right? Maybe I should have took the coyote trying to attack my dog as a sign that maybe I should leave. <laughs> well, there's no way of knowing, you know. And it's a, a person's got to live their life too, you know. And you can't think about what ifs all the time, you know. You got to live your life. 
you know, it's like I said, it's good advice to keep parameters, you know, safety parameters, you know, yeah. in, in place, basically, you know, have a cell phone with you or if you don't have cell, for, cell phone service and you can afford a, um, those, in, one of those in reach and, you know, some people still run those satellite bag phones, I guess they're kind of pricey, but yeah, I know yeah, guys in Alaska run, run them and swear by them rather than the in reach, but I don't know. Some guys run the in reach too. And I run in reach when I've been out West, but yeah, but you, a guy doesn't think about it. You're not thinking about all that stuff. You're just going, doing what you've always done and what you've always loved. And, and yep. you, you don't think about what ifs. Nope. You don't think about it most of the time. You just think about, Ooh, what kind of fun can I get into today? Yep. <laughs> and probably thought when you got out there, Oh man, this is nice. Nobody's here. Oh yeah. Nobody's here. I got, going I can run around anywhere and everywhere. I got ducks all over. I'm not going to have any competition. This is going to be awesome. Oh yeah. It was, I got out there like the fact that I didn't see any vehicles on the whole entire waterfowl management. Cause whenever you're up at, there at the main office there, you can look down on all the ponds and everything. So you could see everything and, you can see the roads that go down there where the, you can take your car down and there was nobody at any of the parking areas. And I was like sitting there and I'm like, even the Rangers are gone. I'm like, eh, Thanksgiving weekend. I was like, I was expecting a couple people out here, yeah, but there was nobody so. out there. Nobody was out there the whole, basically the whole time I was there. Yeah. That's strange. Yeah. It, it was, it was one crazy incident, and I don't think I, well, can't say that. You might ever, you might have a worse incident in the future, but that was probably the worst one that I've had. Well, thankfully you made it out, you know. Yeah, I made it out. I made it out alive. I'm glad you did. I'm Kind of, I am sad that I lost my dog, but I don't think he would have been able to live the, in the condition that he would have been in. Yeah, no, not that badly burned. No. He, his burns were far beyond mine because he spent longer time in that water than I did. Well, well Brad, it, it, that's gonna... all my story that I got for okay. you. Dogs have a way of finding the people who need them and filling in emptiness we didn't ever know we had. Rest in peace, Jimbo. And thank you, Nathaniel, for sharing your story. And to everyone out there, stay safe and enjoy all that Mother Nature has to offer. If you like what you heard today, click the subscribe button to hear more upcoming stories. If you or someone you know have a survival story you'd like to share, contact me at I survived the wild outdoors at gmail.com.